Hello, and welcome to another Church Mission Society podcast. We try and bring together stories from people across the globe who are involved in God's mission so that you can pray, learn, and participate in mission too. To discover more stories, visit churchmissionsociety.org. Hi, this is Jenny, and I am with Phil and Sylvie Good, who have come into the CMS offices while they're on their first home leave um, after heading out to the Middle East a couple of years ago. So, welcome back. Um, could you, you tell us a little bit about what you're doing? Well, we started off to go as administrators, which we are doing, but everybody did tell us just to, you know, just do what God brought along. So we brought along some administration and some other things. I mean, Phil's mainly involved in administration, and I am half involved in administration, and I do little bits with the Life Centre Church in, in Beirut, and um, and I help them with their children's work as well. Um, Phil works for the Second Church, Resurrection Church, Beirut, and you can tell them what you do there. Yeah, we're in... Beirut in Lebanon. We live in amongst the, um, what you might call the slums of Beirut, the poorest part of Beirut. And we work with a church in that's based in there and another church slightly further away. So yeah, so I'm working with the two areas of the church, working one with the partner relations, helping to do communications with the supporting churches in the West. And I'm also working amazingly, on a um, process flow analysis of all the processes going on in the church. So you can tell by this that it's quite a big church doing a lot of things and got lots of processes. So, yeah, so they've um, wanted some help to try and document those processes. So I've really enjoyed that because I'm actually meeting people who are doing lots of interesting things in the church. Right, and is that, are they aiming to kind of make sure they're not duplicating or kind of make processes more efficient or are they yeah, just getting yeah. a handle on what's happening? I think they're worried about people leaving and not being, not knowing what they were doing. Yeah. So, because I think in the church in, in Beirut and in, with many mission churches, there's quite a high turnover of people coming and going. And so they, if someone leaves, if they take all the skills with them, then they don't know how to replace them. So, yeah, so then trying to document it. Mm-hmm always good to hear that people's gifts and skills are being used in new contexts. Um, so in terms of the news and um, what people kind of perceive over here when we think about Lebanon, refugees is mm. obviously a huge topic that comes to mind. Um, uh, and just the numbers in Lebanon are huge. How, how did you find it when you first went out kind of just the scale of the refugee crisis. Yeah. I think when we first went to Beirut, um, in a way you t- half don't notice for a while because you've gone to a completely strange context. And then you begin to work out that this group of people dressed in this way are Syrian, and this group of people dressed in this way are Lebanese. And then you begin to notice, gosh, there's so many of them. So many people here trying to live their lives. And I think, for me anyway, I, I think the scale of what, uh, what had happened to them became more apparent the more I got to know them. And the more we went past the, the, the um, normal things of meeting and greeting and actually sitting down and seeing what went through their minds and hearts and what their total lack 
of future, total lack of future. They have no hope because they're not allowed to be in Lebanon. Their husbands aren't allowed to work. How do you, how do you get enough money to feed your family, let alone raise them? And that's this the long, this long-term issue is what really burdened me. I think. Mm. Yeah, in, initially the especially, it just seemed like everybody you met, you would receive more information about how hard it is and how many obstacles there are to living a normal life. And it just seemed like one need after another, and then you'd meet another family and it would be another set of needs. And everybody you met was needy. Um, and that was very difficult. It, it was like a sea of humanity, all in need. And it was quite overwhelming. Mm. So how do you kind of work in the face of that? How do you deal with that what you yeah. feel I, for me I sort of split it down into doing what I can do and I, I, I ended, up, ended up doing a, a lot of work with the children children tend to um, there's so many of them but they tend to scull around in the Middle East and um, we um, gathered them together and started a play group and this was for the children to keep them um, more productively learning during their play rather than just um, sculling around as I said so now they have toys to play with and things to think about and they get a little bit of food they have interaction with each other with adults They're, and they love coming and it's, ma it's mainly for the children but the mums come and help me and it's been such a, a benefit to them because they have some productive work to do they have somewhere to go each day they've got more of a routine to their lives and they come together and talk together and share together as well. So what benefits the children also benefits the mothers. Um, and so it's, it's breaking it down into the things that you can do that helps because you can't, just can't do everything. No. Yeah. In, in many respects, you can't, you can't do anything at all. And um, for me, the, the living with that was initially very difficult. But then you began to find that the people we know have all become Christians in this situation. And so they have a faith. And you discover that their faith is the same as your faith. And you find that you have a love for them which is independent of the circumstances. And, that is, and you recognise this love in yourself as the love of God for people. For people, whatever their situation. And it, uh, that became quite exciting to go and meet with people in need but not to see them as people in need but see them as people who are receiving God's love and to that very overused phrase being a channel of his love you do find that actually that is quite a good description of what's going on even though we don't have very good language so we can't express it in words just by being in the room with them while the while the while the smell and the noise and the damp is around you, just this sense of God being in the room with you makes it so different. And you realise that you're bringing something into that room that is transcendent, that is above the, the apparent despair that you would naturally feel. So it's a great privilege to be a, a bearer of such good news. <laughs> great. And yes, I think, uh, where you put it earlier, I think... You're sort of bringing God's love on the one-to-one -one level, on the 
individuals you meet rather than yeah. attempting to deal with yeah. an international crisis. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I think that's God's job. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, are there any particular stories that have stuck out or that where you feel like you've particularly just been struck by God at work? There's one little story that from a lady who's actually gone back to Syria now, but um, um, they struggle to to get food, to buy the food, um, because they where they get the income from, I don't know sometimes. This lady, her husband was out of work. She didn't have... She'd run out of food. And um, she went to bed and she said to the Lord, I, I have not... There's no food for the breakfast in the morning. There's nothing. And... Uh, and she just left it at that. Lord, I've got nothing to feed my children with in the morning. And they went to sleep. And she got up in the morning, and in her little kitchen area, there was enough bread to feed the family. And she asked and asked and asked, and she doesn't know where that came from. Mm. I don't think it came from anybody. I think it just appeared. Yeah, that was my zero. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's lots of... Um stories really what a lovely story I think was um, a new disciple a Muslim convert was um, had a dream and in the dream the Jesus appeared now this isn't that unusual there this happens quite often and Jesus was talking about this word that she didn't know what it what it meant it was it was baptism so the next morning she goes to the Christian and says what is this word and I thought that was just beautiful because she didn't even know what baptism was, but it was a word she heard in a dream. And um, yeah, God was challenging her about going the next step in her faith. And uh, I loved it. It was just in a dream overnight. Um, there's many phrases that you hear. Um, and one of the very telling phrases that you hear from the refugees is, we're glad we became we came to Lebanon as refugees because we have found Jesus in this place. And you know, that, that idea of being glad that you became a refugee because of the good news that you received. It's amazing. Yeah, it's very humbling mm. to hear. Mm. Um, I think the other thing people might be curious about, having seen Lebanon in the news over here in recent months, is obviously there's political turmoil, there's protests revolution. and revolution going on. Yeah. Um, what is it like living amidst that? It started off being a bit scary. Then it calmed down. But it, um, in a sense it was, strangely enough, quite wonderful because, as everybody will recall, the Lebanese civil war was between Christians and Muslims. But this time, all the Christians and the Muslims are together. They are all agreed that they need to change their ruling elite, as they're called, who have done them no favours. And everybody has come together as, as one nation for the first time, really. So that's wonderful in itself. But after we got over the, that time of feeling together as a nation, then it's, it's it's got to the stalemate stage where we're now just wondering what's happened next because as I'll pass over to Phil on this one, the economic situation is crumbling, absolutely crumbling. And the knock-on effect of that is 
day by day you wait to see what's going to happen. But the price of food has already gone up a third of what it was. And as I just said, the refugees couldn't manage it before. So how in the coming months they're going to feed themselves, I don't know. I don't know. I really don't. How do you think the economy is? <laughs> the economy is, is getting worse by the day. And um, that is having the biggest impact on people's lives. Uh, the cost of food, the cost of, of anything, really. So you, you go to the shop and you buy something and the, the price on it is no longer relevant. You don't know the price until they tell you, but typically it's 20% or 30% up. Um, and that, that will cause more of a problem, really, than the, the actual political. The political problem is that they, they don't have a government and finding a solution is, is a long journey. But as regards daily life, people are amazingly adaptable. Um, you see pictures of life in Lebanon during the Civil War, where people trying to live a normal life and carry buckets of water from the standpipe. And it was a bit like that when it started off. For two weeks, everybody was almost in hiding. The banks were shut and the schools were shut. But then gradually, everything returned to sort of normal. But life is less predictable. So there's always a threat that the roads might be closed in the morning. So what we planned for tomorrow might not happen. Um, the schools might have to shut suddenly. And so the mothers won't be able to get to work. And there's just that un sense of unpredictability and uncertainty that um, I think is, is changed the way people view every day. Yeah. And for, for a lot of... Um, I mean, we work mainly with the Syrian refugees, and the impact on them is a, a lot of them have lost their jobs because they 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 weren't supposed to, but they did work in construction, but that's just crumbled and stopped, and a lot of businesses are shut. So even the little work that they were doing, that they've lost their jobs. And for the Lebanese, they got on. A lot of people are on half salary, and some people they can't afford your rent on half salary, so they're moving in with relatives. So. This adds to the, the tension in the country because you've got a lot of families living on top of each other now, which tempers rise even more. So um, it's always been a tense place, but it's getting tenser. I think that's what we would feel, yes. So how can people be praying for Lebanon and for the two of you in the, the coming months? I think for Lebanon they would find... A stable government that will get a, an interim government which is going to be more stable than the current one um, that's quite hard to explain they need to find a new government anyway of people that everybody will trust that's an important thing to pray and to pray also that um, Hezbollah don't take this to a violent situation at the moment it's peaceful um, if it stays like that they'll be fine I think We'll sort it out eventually. For us, more Arabic. Yes, we need yeah. to learn to speak more Arabic. I can speak a bit. I can say Lebanon Katirsar very good, which means Lebanon very hard, which you hear every day. Um, but we need more Arabic in order to be able to communicate more easily. I do a lot with Google Translate and Mime at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> I th yeah, I think praying for Lebanon. Really, it's that there are men of violence around in the Middle East always, and so it's to pray that they they would be frustrated and that the peace would continue. Um, 
to pray for us. I think um, our health and our our vision would would maintain that we would stay healthy and we would have a vision of what we should be doing on a day by day basis. Um, yeah. Great. Well, thank you very much for taking some time to talk to me today. And thank yes, you. We'll be praying for as you head back out. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Church Mission Society. For more material, go to churchmissionsociety.org forward slash resources.